Okay, so I already prepped you. I've got candy, and I should have enough for every kid who wants to come up here to get a piece of candy. I, I'm doing this. Uh, my son, my nephew, Simon, uh, he, he watches the YouTube videos sometimes, and he noticed one time that there was candy given out. He said, that's pretty cool. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to figure out some way to give away candy. So kids, if you want a piece of candy, this is just about as easy as it gets. Thanks, Tavian, for leading the way. And if I only get six kids, I got candy. Okay, good. We've got more coming. Okay. There you go. That's what I'm after. Okay, so the the question is very simple. Uh, do you have any friends? Yes. Okay, can you name one friend that you have? Jackson. Jackson. Okay, for that you get a, a piece of candy. Taven, do you have any friends? I think so. <laughs> can you name one of your think-so friends? Liam Lane. Okay. Do you have any friends? Yes. Who? Natty. Natty, all right. Do you have any friends? Yes. Who's one of your friends? Simon. Simon. Do you have any friends? Yes. Who's your friends? Emery. Emery, okay. Dude, do you have any friends? Yeah, do, can you think of what one of their names is? Uh, Kelsey. Kelsey. Oh, Kelsey, all right. She must be a good friend. Hey, oh, almost snug snake tool. Do you have any friends? Johnny. Johnny, okay, we got at least one friend. All right. Simon. Victor. Victor. I'm, oh, yeah, I guess that makes, yeah, there you go. Okay. It's all for Simon. I'm going to screw it up on Simon. Soren. Soren, okay. Caleb. Caleb. Jesse. Jacob. Quinn. Quinn. Okay, adults. Anybody else? Okay, Bruce. Jesus is his friend. Oh, he should get like the rest of the box. If you come up here, you can have them all. So we are talking about friends today. We have two points to this message. The first is the kind of friend that I should be. And the second point is the kind of friend that I should have. So let's start with the first one. Uh, this was supposed to be up there the whole time. I forgot to put that up there. Can you guys figure out who these characters are? Okay, so if you think if you think this is me, raise your hand. We got one. Oh, we got... <laughs> he just gave it all away. If you think that's me, raise your hand. Okay, you are wrong. This is me right here. That's obviously no, and that's Caleb. So... Um, Anyway, Ben makes my bulletin covers. He gave me these pictures. I thought, this is perfect. We're going to do it. So, Okay, point number one, the kind of friend that you should be. Proverbs 17, 17, and by the time the day is done, you'll probably have this memorized if you don't already. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that, but what comes to my mind is a parable in the New Testament, the one that Darren read, and it's really a parable about being born and coming to God with your request about a guy who in the middle of the night goes he and he wakes up his neighbor and he asks for some bread and it says be, not because he's his friend and he gave it to him but because of the man's boldness he gave it to him but I couldn't help but come up with this picture in my mind so I, I think about what would that look like in real life uh, so we have this guy this visitor in the middle of the night and I'm kind of curious when this guy had a guest show up and he wants to feed him 
Well, what ran through his mind? He says, I don't have this bread here. I've got to go somewhere else to get it. Reynolds is not down the street, and I don't have a bunch of bread all over my shelves. Where can I go? Was his first thought, immediately, I know where I can go. Or I know where I should not go in the middle of the night for bread. When he's walking there, how many neighbors did he walk by to get to that person's house? Did he have to pace the floor for 20 minutes before he actually knocked on the door? This friend in need, did he have to pace 20 minutes before he worked up the courage to do that? And so we have that side of it, but you have the friend indeed. You have this guy who's in bed with his kids. They're all, you know, and you just think about what did it take for this guy to, to get that feat accomplished? You've got, you've got multiple kids and you, you spend time, you, you separate them and you get them because this one's fighting with that one and you finally get them to sleep and you're just laying down yourself to go to sleep and there's a knock on the door. What is the last thing you want to do? is get up, right? If I get up, of course, every other kid who's sound asleep is going to wake up. And it just took me who knows how long to get them to sleep. But that's what I picture is this exact story. And he gets up. And this friend, he, he doesn't look very happy, but he, has, he gives his, his friend, his bold friend that came and asked for help, he gave him three loaves of bread. Now, that's, that's probably quite a sacrifice. You don't know, but the next day is French Toast Day. The next day, they're planning to have a family breakfast. It's Saturday. Everybody's going to let the chores wait for just a little bit longer. And he, but he says, okay, I guess my friends in need, I'm going to give him the bread that he's looking for. That's what comes to my mind on, on this, uh, of the way a friend should be. And that's quite a sacrifice. Now think about you. Well, if you were in that guy's shoe, are you, you're laying in bed with all your kids. Are you going to get out of bed and, and go answer the door? Are you going to pick up the telephone or answer that text? No, you're like, forget it. Hopefully nothing happens. But this is what this friend did. Now let's fast forward to reality. Okay, that was fun. Let's fast forward to reality. We all have enough bread on our shelves. We all can get to Reynolds for bread. So that's really not something that is practical in today's world. But just think... You are, you've worked late. It's, I mean, you work all week long. And then on Saturday, you, you spend day helping on the ranch, and it's cold, and it's dark. It's about 9.30 at night. What do you want to do? You want to sleep, right? And the last thing you want is a telephone call from somebody up in Riegerville, or up at the top of Ismay, calling for, with a flat tire. Because he had brand new tires, he had brand new tires, and he didn't bring a jack, and he got a flat tire, and he says, I've got to call somebody, and the person that I called, who I cannot mention their name, came and helped me. Are you the kind of person who's going to give up your comfortable, warm evening after a long week and a long day to help your helpless pastor, please, right? Today after church, anybody have plans after church? You might go fishing, you might go hang, you might gather with some family and have some food. But somebody at church doesn't seem like they're doing that great. And they seem to have zeroed in on you. And you feel like, I've got things i got to do. And they, they come talk to you. Are you going to be the person who's willing to, to sit and listen for 20 minutes to put off your schedule because they need somebody to talk to? 
You hear down the road this week, somebody's got some major illness. Somebody needs help getting from to doctor appointments. Uh, somebody is going to need extra help. They need a meal chain. They need a little extra help around the house. And you, you come across this information. Are you the kind of person who's going to ignore it? Because that's really, that's a big sacrifice. Or the person who's going to get involved and say, let me help you. Let me see what's going on and see what I can do. This is the kind of thing that a friend does. Generally speaking, a friend is willing to get involved and do something in order to help somebody out. And that's not always an easy thing to do. Sometimes it's a major sacrifice. And it doesn't mean like every single time the phone rings, you're going to help somebody. But as a general rule, you're going to do what you can. You're not going to give a list of lame excuses for why you cannot go and help if you really can. And that's what a friend does. And it says a friend loves it all times. Now, in American language, the word time means a lot of different things. It can mean uh, in the middle of the night, like when I needed help with my tire. That's a specific time in, in the middle of the night. My hero spent about 45 minutes to an hour. He had to get everything put together. He had to drive up to Riegerville. He had to get out these really awesome tools that made me get some of my own. So I'm prepared. Thank you. Um, and then he had to, he, he did all the work and then he drove himself home and so he, he, he put a specific amount of time into helping me. So we got the uh, middle of the night, we got a specific length of time, but you also have seasons of time. Some, some portions of life are just for a time. A gal's pregnant just for nine months. I think about the, the number of you who help on ranches. You're here to help with haying. You're, you're here on vacation. You give up your weekends. You give up your evenings after your day job. But it's just for a season of time. It's not all year long. But a friend is loving for a specific amount of time. But it's also referring to the good things, times in life and the bad times in life. And a friend is there when times are good. Now, a couple weeks ago, and I, I tried to find this, I had a... Uh, I had a Yankees hat for when I wanted to uh, be a bandwagon team. And I have my Mariners hat for when I wanted to root for the home team. Oh, but I couldn't find my Yankees hat. But, you know, it's real easy to understand the bandwagon. We, we, when it's Seattle last year, they had a 14-game winning streak before the All-Star break. I bet you didn't know that. It's easy to say, wow, and they went to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. Guess who wants to be a Mariners fan then? Right? This year, it is not the same thing, and I don't think they're going to make it. And it's real easy to jump on a bandwagon. When life is good, I want to be there. And it's easy to do that as a friend, to be a bandwagon friend. When life is good, I want to be a part of the action. I want to experience all the good that you are experiencing. The prodigal son... He, he left home with all his money, and he was out partying and celebrating in a good time. What did he have a plethora of? Friends. He was passing it out. Life was good. Everybody wanted to be around him. But as soon as he lost it all, bye-bye. There went all the friends. And so it, they were, those were fair-weather friends. But a true friend is going to be there when life is good. They're not going to be jealous of you. They're going to be happy for you. They're going to be supportive of you. But a friend will also be there when times are tough, when times are bad. 
you guys are familiar with the story of Job, right? In the Bible. He's a guy who pretty much had everything. He's healthy. He's got a big family. He's got lots and lots of property and lots of animals and servants. Well, one day, Satan goes and talks to God and says, Hey, you know, Jesus, God says, Have you considered my servant Job? And, and God pretty much gives Satan the ability to do whatever he wants to Job as long as he doesn't touch Job. Well, then after a while, Satan comes back and God gives Satan the opportunity to do whatever he wants to Job except kill him. And so Job is taking full advantage of this and wiping out everything Job has and his even his body. He's got sores and issues all over where his wife finally says, just curse God and die. Just get it over with. Life is just that terrible. Well, Job has three friends. And these guys get a lot of slack. They get a lot of like, man, these are these are not the greatest guys through the whole book of Job. But I want to I want to go to the book of Job, chapter two, and, and read a little bit about these guys. It says in chapter Job, chapter two, verse eleven through. Uh, 13. It says, When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and they met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and they sprinkled dust on their head and they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. So they, they set out together. Hey, we are going to join up, guys, as a team, and we are going to leave our homes. We're going to leave our families for a while. We're going to leave our own property, our own hobbies, our own comforts of our own bed, and we're going to go a, a distance to go meet Job wherever he's at. And we're going to go and comfort him. We're going to, and they did. They went to, that was their plan. You know, that doesn't, to me, in American culture, that is not a masculine thing to do. I know uh, my dad's got friends that I, I feel like they would do that kind of thing. But typically, guys, we don't, I'll, I'll say it, we don't typically go do that kind of thing. That's more of a feminine, nurturing, loving kind of thing. So I'm looking at these guys and saying, right there, good job, guys. You got together and your goal was to go and comfort your friend. Job. And it says that when they got there, they mourned with him. They were crying with him. They were weeping with him. They, they were taking on what Job was feeling as if it was their own. These guys are like all in. They're not just standing back saying, this is awkward. I'm going to, I'll wait till you're done crying or I'll, you know, let's, I'll take you out to dinner and let's find something else to do. They were right there in the moment with Job all that time. So they showed up, they leave everything, they get to Job, and they're taking on what he, they're ripping their clothes as a sign of mourning. They don't have like multiple outfits with them. They've got probably the one they're wearing, and they're feeling everything that Job is feeling. Anybody here feel like that? You want to do that? No. They, they sat with him for seven days without saying a word. How easy is it to go sit with somebody mourning for seven minutes? You know, or for, I mean, people don't sit with people for seven hours and they sat there for seven days without saying a word because they were Job's friends and they cared about Job and they, they were with him in that pain. They didn't just say, well, when you're done, when the funeral's here, I'll come. They sat with them through the, that, that great amount of time. You know, I even think about Job's three friends. We all know that they tried to pin this fault on Job for why this was happening to him. 
But you know, the fact that they said something means a lot. I mean, in my book, it says a lot because uh, they felt like what they were saying was really true. Uh, there's a story that I've heard about about a, a Mormon missionary, and I, I admire this guy. Because he went to the Amazon, and he's going down in a paddle boat or some sort as fast as he can, telling people about Jesus, about his faith. Whatever it is, he's telling people, and they found him dead. And he you know, obviously didn't go to heaven without faith in Jesus. But I admire that dedication. He was wrong, but he was sincere. He was trying as hard as he could. And that's what I look at these guys. They weren't right on why Job was facing this, but they were sincere in trying to convince him because these were friends that loved at all times. And they were not just friends. These guys would be considered brothers, more than a friend. You know, we can look and say uh, a brother would probably be there. I bet in your own family you could think of, if my brother needs me, I'm going. You know, if, if my sister needs me, I'm going to be there. If my mom or dad need me, I'm going to be there. We, we get that blood. You know, you, you can, you, I can beat up my brother, but you better not. I can insult my sister, but you better not, because we have that connection. And it says, when you love at all times, when you're there through that thick and thin, you become something more. You're not just like a friend. You become part of the family. And I think you know what I'm talking about. If you've gone through a rough time and somebody's stuck by your side through thick and thin, they mean more to you than the average person. And you want to share. Uh, there's times where I've, I've gone through difficult times here. And once in a while, people will call me up uh, and will ask me about it. And I will tell them, hopefully not more than they want to hear, but I will tell them far more than they will tell everybody else about the whole situation because they're reaching out to me, because they're joining me in my sorrow or my tough time. And so they, they get more because they are more like a brother to me than like just a friend like anybody can be. You know, in that culture, it took a, quite a bit, you know, for Job's friends to travel. They didn't, you know, in our culture, it's pretty easy. I can get on a cell phone and I can say, hey, dad, are you doing OK? Hey, hey, Josh, I heard you went through this. I can get out that famous texting. At least I can do that. I can send a sympathy card. I can do all sorts of things. But for them to go a distance, leave everything, to sit with their friend for seven, uh, for seven days without saying anything, tells me these were friends, but they were more than friends. They were brothers. So I just want to ask you the question, who in your life would consider you that kind of friend? Who in your life would uh, consider you somebody that they could call on in the middle of the night to help them with the flat tire? Who in your life do, do you, do, would consider you as somebody that would be that listening ear or would be with them through thick and thin to get them through the, the things that they're going through? Is it your family? Chances are you've got your family. They're, they're probably your number one people. But is there a coworker at work that, you know, when life starts falling apart, they go to you? They don't go rushing to everybody else, but they say you genuinely care. And so they give that time and attention to you or kids. Is there a classmate at school that somebody that you just, when they have a problem, they come to you. You just, because you are a genuine, real friend. A friend loves at all times, but I'm just kind of, I want you to consider who in your life would consider you that kind of friend. So first of all, that's the kind of friend that you should be. Now we're going to look at the kind of friend that you should have. 
Once again, a friend who loves at all times and a brother that is born for adversity. You know, everybody goes through tough times in life. Hopefully nobody right here is going through one. Hopefully life is peaceful, but I know tough times are going to come. And I hope that you don't feel like I have to do it alone. Because a lot of people try to do it on their own. They try to be the lone ranger. They try to be tough. They, they try to feel like I am self-sufficient. I don't need anybody. So I hope that's not you because tough times are going to come. Now, some of you might be thinking, check mark, I've got that friend. I've got somebody when, when I need to call somebody in the middle of the night, I know who I'm calling. When I need help to change my flat tire, when I need a, a trip to the doctor, I know where I'm going to go. And some of you are ready to check out because you say, I don't know anybody like that. I sure wish I did, but I don't. You know, maybe it's because you think uh, there's nobody who really cares. That, that could be a possibility or there's nobody that you can really trust. Now, I'm, I'm going to say something that's going to sound kind of insulting. And I'm not going to try to, I don't, not trying to base it just off of this church, but I think in churches around America, this is, is the same, it's probably the standard or the standard answer. But when we did our prayer uh, time back in March, uh, People gave prayer requests, and I sent out that weekly prayer email, and we prayed together. We had 30 minutes. Everybody's praying at their own home. We went to Jason's house, and they came over to our house. I heard three or four times, I mean, literally, not, not making up numbers, but three or four times, I would love to share this prayer request, but I don't trust everybody. I don't trust everybody to keep this a secret. And I heard it from every, from opposite sides. You know, it wasn't like just one family. It was different people saying, I would love to share this prayer request, but I don't trust people to pray. I don't trust people to keep it secret. Now, I, and that's, that's just, I think that's a common thing, but it really surprised me because there's a lot of things that that people tell and they just don't feel like they can trust. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe you don't trust everybody in this room. I feel like I trust everybody in this room. I'm pretty blunt and up here. I mean, pretty, you know, um, but not everybody does. So I'm like, okay, fine. You don't share this in church, but find somebody that you do trust. You know, I hope that if it's, if you're married, I hope it's your spouse. I hope your spouse is the person that you, you spill the beans to. The person that you, you celebrate their good times and their bad times with. Uh, my wife is one of those people. And she, she gets the, the good of me. She gets the bad of me. She, uh, she's one of those people who's by my side through thick and thin. Uh, back when I was a youth pastor... Uh, she she built she helped me out all the time. She was she was my right hand man. She was always there through every big event that we did. She was always doing the decorating. She's always making sure there was food. And guess who looked good for all of that? Guess who didn't get jealous, right? I look like amazing, but Leslie's the one who deserved all the credit. And she was just happy to be that support. She was happy for me when times were going good in my life. So I hope if you're married, you say that's my spouse. This is the person that I'm spending life with. It may not be your spouse. You might say, uh, I don't have a spouse. You know, it might be a brother or a sister. I'm going to pick up my brother, Ben. Uh, you know, growing up, uh, he was, we, we fought. We weren't like the greatest friends. But when it came to being 
a good friend when you needed one. Ben was that guy for me. I, I, I know the times where I struggled to understand chemistry and math, and I, I struggled with the fact that he had a girlfriend, and I didn't, and he knew what he wanted to do in life, and I didn't, and he was, he was smarter than I was, and I wasn't, you know, and, but I, he was always there when I needed him. Well, that's just carried through life. You know, I've been here for six and a half years, and I use his help all the time. Thankfully, and if Ben is capable, he will do it. He'll get online when, even when it's inconvenient for him, because I'm desperate and I need help uh, with a bulletin, with a computer problem, with uh, all sorts of things. He's always chiming in computer-wise to help me when I need it, because he is that kind of person. And, he, and I, get all, I get most of the credit for things that are done when really I tell you, and it's the truth, I don't know anything about computers. I don't know how to do that stuff, but Ben does that for me. So I hope you can say, well, that's a, my brother. I hope that's my sister. You know, friends come in all shapes and sizes. You don't have to have a friend that's just like you. You know, I think about the grandpa figure, the guy who wears the Yankee hat. And this guy who wears the Mariner hat can be great friends, and even though they're different generations and they like different baseball teams. You know, you seek wisdom and advice from that person. It could be somebody that you see once a week at church that you just connect with. You just, I don't have to talk to them, but we pick up relationship right where we're at since the last time we've seen them. Uh, and they can surprise you. You can have completely different interests. I know a lot of you like country music. Right? What kind of music does Noah like? Rap. Right, rap. It's not country, right? And we have we have uh, cowboy fans, and we have Seahawks fans. Yeah. <laughs> you have all all. There's nothing. There's not a mold that your friendship has to fit into. So find a friend. Be that friend for somebody who who needs a friend. Find somebody that you can call on in the middle of the night to help you with the flat tire. Find somebody that you can talk to, that you can share your concerns with. Find somebody who, when life is rough, is going to be somebody that you can go and talk to and help you through those difficult times. And I know we would all love to have multiple friends like this. And some of you might still be wishing or thinking, I, I wish I had one. I, I know that sounds so good. Uh, I, I want to remind you of somebody who's always there waiting and willing to listen. Jesus is. He's always there. He was not going to blab your secrets. He cares about what you're feeling. He knows what you, you're going through. He's experienced most of that himself. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse, four, 2, verse 14, it says that he took on flesh and blood just like you and I are. You know, ultimately, so he could be the savior of the world. But he went through hunger. He experienced exhaustion. He experienced rejection. His whole family thought he was crazy. He experienced pain. You know, he's up on that cross. It hurt. He, he experienced fear. He experienced good times too. But he's always there. And he's a friend who's most of the time, I think, you know, we don't, we, the, the peace we often forfeit in that song, whatever friend we have in Jesus, he wants to give that to you. But he's just waiting. He's waiting for you to come to him. So if you're looking for that friend, you say, I don't trust anybody in this church. I don't trust anybody in my family. I don't trust anybody anywhere. 
fine. But you know you can always trust Jesus. He already proved that he loves you. He already proves that he cared. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross to take your punishment. He took, he saw you at your worst, and he wants to give you his very best. But you, you've got to do your part and admit to him that you're a sinner and ask him to be your savior, and he will give you eternal life. So I'm going to close with our verse one more time. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. This is the kind of friend that you need to be. This is the kind of friend you need to have. And this is the kind of friend that Jesus wants to be for you. So just go, go and talk with him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for friendship. I thank you, God, for the friends that we have in this church, people that we can turn on. I know I can turn to just about anybody in this room, and they're going to help me out, and I praise you for that. I pray that, God, people would look at me and say, Josh is that kind of person, too. Or they would look at their spouses or look at people across the aisle and, and just know that, God, we are a church that loves and cares for each other and is there to celebrate the highs with people and walk through the lows with others. God, I just thank you for this passage. Please let it stick in our mind uh, that uh, during this week we would make sure that we were going that extra mile to, to reach out to people. We'd go that extra mile to show the love to others that you showed to us. I pray for this and for your help in Jesus' name.